0: Hello and welcome to another issue of Edelman Editions. Um, We are talking this time about South by Southwest, um, the uh, media and tech festival which takes place in Austin, Texas uh, every year and um, uh, previously has been known to launch um, the careers, shall we say, of um, such known uh, propositions as Foursquare and Twitter. Um, I'm lucky enough to be joined today um, by two stalwarts of the industry. I've got John Burkhart um, from Real Time Content Labs, an author of um, seminal book Newsjacking. Um, and I've also got the lovely lady Emily Hare, um, who is manage- managing editor of um, Industry Bible Contagious. Hey, yeah. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Um, so... South by Southwest, um, admittedly, is my first time there two weeks ago. It was quite an experience. Um, you two um, are um, um, more veteran than I am, shall we say, in, in experiencing uh, this, this hot pot of uh, creativity and innovation. Um, John, as a five-time uh, or five-year festival goer, I should say, and before we deep dive into our top three trends, um, give us a little bit of um, an overview on how you think the festival has changed from inception through to where we are now.
1: So five years ago, um, it was all uh, quite contained around a, a conference center and, um, and uh, everyone was looking for that next big uh, app is it going to be twitter is it going to be scavenger is it going to be highlight like everywhere and then and then so 5 years ago that was the focus then 4 years ago that was still the focus and then people started realizing maybe we can't have a game changer twitter or foursquare every year so then brands came on and tried to try to come in and just be a part in some often irrelevant ways and sponsoring kind of adventure playgrounds and things that weren't really adding any value or showed why they have any kind of skin in the game in the innovation space and then i think gradually um over the last two years this year and last year and the year before for sure Uh, I guess that's three. Um, Brands have started doing things that were more relevant to their reason for being and kind of said, you know, this is why we exist and we'll do a Nike Fuel, we'll launch it and and basically kick off the whole sort of quantified self and kind of uh, sort of... uh, this connected devices, wearable tech thing that we'll probably talk about in a sec. So I just think now it's brands are coming on, realizing they can't just be a part, but they have to add something to the conversation. So it's created um, a, a, a better environment, but also then we've had literally droves of Countries internationally, you know, I think there's 72 different countries, yep. is that right? Yeah,
0: um, up, well, 72, up 55 from the previous year. that's 55. quite a jump.
1: So massive, and also the reasons why those people were there is because essentially they were uh, there... Uh, as business intelligence to go report back to their CEOs this is what's happening uh, we need to start getting with the program uh, yeah so I, I think the percentages of marketing people over tech people in the last five years has massively changed oh, tech you. people have probably been scared away by us folk a bit like by the big brands yeah, scary. yeah we are scary <laughs> Emily. if you this is i've got a face for radio for sure but um <laughs> this is uh not not emily obviously but um uh yeah the, the, we're scary people and we've taken over south by
2: well i think before it was like a few years ago when you were starting going you actually were getting a, a competitive advantage by being there as a brand and you might be seeing things that other people weren't seeing simply by not being there whereas now it's kind of it's the kind of place that you have to have, uh, you know, be soaking up what's going on. That kind of information that uh, you have access to at South by Southwest, but I don't know if you're necessarily getting an advantage. You're just not missing out. Prior,
1: yeah, prior the massive fear of missing out. If you're not there, is like, what? Do you just not want to exist in a few years or what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: but then the festival itself is designed around not missing out because that kind of fear. When there are things going on in the conference center, things going on in different hotels, and things that are too full to get into, you're just constantly in a bit of a whirlwind of uh, being overwhelmed by kind of content and, you know, barbecue options.
1: Yeah, Barbecue options. (laughs) And hoping that you can get that talk that you missed. You queued for 45 minutes and couldn't get in a talk, but, hey, there's a sketch drawing. That'll help. So
0: what's the difference? Could you technically follow it, the whole thing, on Twitter or via other social feeds then from the UK or from New York? I mean, what's the...
2: You'd have to be pretty dedicated to do that effectively, I think.
1: I, I, yeah, totally. I think I, I've spoken with the advisory council and everything. They specifically are unlike other conferences like the Mashable conferences et cetera, where all the videos go instantly online or are drip fed like TED or whatever. the the, the video The videoing of all eight hundred talks just doesn't happen. So you you actually do still at South by have to be there, and then even when you're there, you still missing stuff so then you have to even be quite strategic about where you go to yeah.
2: they, for me to have to be there bit isn't so much to be in every single talk because no. you're just by necessity going to miss things and some will be better than others but yeah. it's actually that kind of gathering of people that are chatting about things and it's sparking ideas as they're there that then uh, it's more those discussions that are interesting
1: yeah that is a crucial point uh, sorry and I know we need to wrap this that just I feel like we fo- we've, we've got to be there because of the company you keep at South by you don't you don't have a gathering of this many sort of innovative people in any other conference
0: cool okay well then as three battle-scarred South buyers um, let's just whiz through what we feel um, the top three kind of trends were to come out this year um, and we're gonna start with um, something that's increasingly on the lips of anyone who deals excuse me with big data um, and that includes marketeers and that's privacy Um, and I guess um, you know when we talk about South by being uh, more of a global or international platform um, this year I believe it was the first time that live link-ups have actually happened and those live link-ups were well held a certain amount of gravitas um, in certainly in the privacy world so Julian Assange from London Edward Snowden from Russia uh, his first public appearance since the security scandal um, and guardian guardian journalist uh, Glenn Greenwald from Brazil um, who also had a hand in breaking that snowden story um, so privacy on everyone's lips um why do you guys feel this is uh a important trend
2: um, I think it's it's starting to kind of uh bubble up and obviously the inclusion of those uh those different speakers shows that the South by Southwest Organising Committee think it's a massively uh, important issue. There's quite a lot of discussion there around how much importance people place on their own privacy in terms of the kind of information that they share online and this is something that like Glenn Grewell, Edward Snowden were uh, seemed quite frustrated by the fact that people actually would revert to a free email service or uh, just kind of free services that they, they kind of know are... Uh, you're losing some of your privacy and sharing some of your data in exchange for the service. So I think I think that it's definitely a big issue, but I think there's kind of more discussion to be had around how how much kind of people on the street really uh, are aware of what they're giving up and, and care about what they're giving up.
1: My whole thing this year at South By was uh, leading this kind of millennial mentoring project where young people are kind of mentoring CEOs, etc. So... So my angle on privacy came from them and their thing is they, uh, yeah, they distrust kind of quote-unquote establishment brands and you really have to, they're, you know, millennials are geared to share and communicate and they... Uh, will do that if the return for the, whatever the free thing they're getting in exchange for their data uh, proves to be worth it. They're, they're, they're a, a very transparent, genuine, and if you have that trust, it's all about trust, if you have that, then it's not an issue, uh, but the moment you lose it, um, they will sort of, you know, crucify you and block off Facebook and various other places that, you know, where, where the trust is, you know, where their parents are watching or whatever. And do you think South
0: by is an actual place for um, you know, data privacy to be discussed? I mean, those those three guys—they are big hitters, and and you know, certainly the Snowden um, stuff um, generated global headlines, and it was his first public appearance. I guess showing the power and the sway that maybe South by has. I mean, it just seems like.
2: Well, I think part of what they were hoping is that the audience, the people that have the capability to build. Uh services that take into account your privacy and that I think it was Edward Snowden who was saying, you know, trying to kind of inspire the audience to see the necessity of building stuff like that. And there's a, well, there's a gap in the market for startups that are looking uh, in that kind of direction. So, yeah. so I guess building p- tools and services that take your privacy into account. So people
0: who can change the, the, the world.
2: Well, yeah. yeah. And so like, especially if you're prepared to pay for it, there's a reasonable business model that uh, is based more around a subscription than around uh, serving others.
0: Okay, cool, so privacy sizzling at number one. Um, actually, these aren't necessarily in any, any, any order at all, but number two, moving on. Um, wearables and the internet of things. I don't know if anyone in this room is wearing any wearable tech. No, that's a, that's a negative. What's well, um, <laughs> yeah. um But, um, uh, you know, it's the man on the street, Nike fuel band, probably entry point for this. Um, but um, that is just the tip of the iceberg, is it not?
1: It is indeed. I mean, I got really excited. A friend of mine had the the pleasure of having his dad go to South By and share a room with him. Uh, And his dad happened to be a leading cardiologist from Britain called Graham Stewart. And he uh, talked about Nike Fuels um, sort of uh, social good campaign around uh, prolonging the lives of children uh, living with congenital heart disease and how Nike Fuel Band was having a, a voice in that conversation uh, and I, that was just uh, there. Just um, I think we all realized that um, one of the major applications for wearable tech the, 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 the theme seemed to be around health um, there was an amazing like um, I got, I'm from a family of diabetics contact lenses that check your insulin levels uh, not only wearables, but implantables. What about the heart implant? embeddables. It's the the embeddables, uh Basically, it's called the the heart uh, attack ringtone. So you have this thing Yikes. that is like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I it is. It's not like, that uh, cool. I told my wife about that. Said, yeah, well, this is really a da- <laughs> Debbie Downer conference. But truthfully, if you're about to have a heart attack and and you got something in you that can kind of say ding ding, you're yeah, about yeah. to go down. It this could is your heart speaking. It. Yeah. Exactly.
2: So you're talking, You were saying uh, when we were chatting before about moving things forward. So I think uh, RGA were running running something at the. Um,
1: yes. So, the, and it, so that that was kind of w- from wearables to just moving uh, the conversation to connected devices in general. Not necessarily things you wear, but appliances. Uh, there's a, a massive uh, database by the guy from Wolfram Alpha, Stephen Wolfram. Uh, the, the whole database of all the connected things. At this point, and it's growing on a daily basis. But RGA had a connected devices accelerator. They got ten uh, companies in a room to present, and then they funded, um, you know, the the, the winners. So uh, th- there's an exciting time where all of this uh, everything is going to be connected. I think the key question we have to ask, what came from the conference, is, is the analog version better? Like, do you want to pay two hundred and nineteen dollars for a toothbrush that will tweet out when you have a cavity? Not so sure. Uh, So is the analog better? Is there a growth? Uh, What's the growth customer look like? Uh, And yeah, there's just a lot of questions on, should this be connected? Not so sure. There Uh, are a lot of
2: potential entrants into this kind of market, aren't there? And there's, I think, so the fact that it's at a a tech conference is kind of telling that it's, uh, the potential's definitely there, but it's going to take a little while for the, um, something we've written about, the kind of audience uh, to get the enthusiasm I think one important thing to look at in terms of these wearables is how they're being marketed. It's not just the kind of the fact that they exist, it's how are they changing people's lives, as you say?
0: a kind of work to be done on that really. I think John actually that brings up us on quite nicely to the third point you mentioned, you know, should this thing be connected? And in fact, um trend three I guess is relevance. Um and I guess here when you're know, talking about, you know, relevance in wearables surely, but um relevance in content as well. Uh, and our entry point for this really is, I think we all certainly, um, or certainly John and I, did, I don't know if you made it, but enjoyed Christine, Christina Halverson's um, talk um, uh, where she coined or, or brought to the fore one of her terms, peak derp, which I'll explain very briefly. Derp being a American-ism, I guess, for um, stupid, um, a, a, a meme, and peak being the ultimate um, point, so peak derp, con- sort of content uh, saturation point. Um, and this is I guess marketeers pumping out content for content's sake all the white so much white noise out there that people aren't really thinking or strategizing or or, or, or um, listening to their consumers properly about what content they want to be delivering them and this is a, something that maybe we're all guilty of doing every now and again but increasingly as people are bombarded 24-7 by content it's becoming well we've got to take stock right?
1: Yeah I mean this this is obviously very Close to my heart with uh, news jacking and real time marketing, but I, I think the thing that um, uh, that I took away from the conference is um, the the need for brands to think about uh, go back to the the customers. It's almost like these social channels, while while at heart they're supposed to be interactive, brands have are kind of realizing that they're they've all kind of been shouting and that that actually the real time um, uh, th- the case studies that we hold is so dear that where Christina said we'd reach peak derp, some of the some of those is it's just basically me too. Like there's a big event like the Grammys or the Super Bowl. I'm an insurance company. What you know, or, you know, or the royal baby. How I, I really want to say something about Kate and the baby. That's totally irrelevant. And I think what we got from some interesting characters as Chapin Clark from. Uh, RJ saying it, it's not about always on it's about always relevant and I, I think if I could put three pillars of speed create, and creativity and relevance I think we're struggling with the, the speed and creativity but the thing we haven't even considered uh, and it's going to have to happen with the the influx of all this data coming in us and us analyzing it is the relevance uh, that was a huge thing for me and i'm hoping that we can get ri- get rid of this uh derp situation as christina may or may not call it <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's about listening as well isn't it it's just trying to be appropriate and produce content that you know is part of a conversation rather than just a broadcast i think it's part of of a lot uh, of the Yeah, and I
0: guess that P- Contagious is particularly discerning about what it champions or puts on the web, website as well. So I think, guess you're really looking for, you know, that that innovation. What sets it apart from just purely trying to create a viral film or something like that? I think, you know, I think you, it's it's good to have a filter which is slightly more discerning than, and, and, and sort of curatorial in yeah, the stuff totally. it, it talks about rather than just...
2: I think, yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of kind of content from brands that people have obviously spent a lot of money producing and a lot of time kind of thinking about but actually the it's hard to kind of get obviously you're competing against content from everywhere in the world it's not just against other pieces of advertising branded content it's all kinds of tv film music blogs so it's um it's difficult to compete in that situation, but the ones that kind of rise to the top can have really positive effects for brands and the ones that sink, I suppose in some ways it's a good thing, but they do kind of sink without a trace. Uh, yeah, see ya. <laughs> see, yeah, it's, um, it's a difficult thing to get right, I think, definitely.
0: Okay, good. Um, listen, just before we wrap up, let's do a quick round robin. Uh, I found South by a fascinating um, cauldron, I guess, um, of many things, but let's, what's what's your... Pull out your one um, highlight slash life-changing moment slash um, horrifying moment um, that uh, we experienced recently. I know. I know. Well, I'll kick off, shall I? Um, Mine was uh, when uh, I don't. I can't remember where it was, but we were shown a um, a video of uh, a drone um, which had evolved to become a a taser device, um, and it was a live experiment. um, A video of a guy who. Poor chap uh, stood in this room with an au- captive audience, being filmed as a drone set off behind him and then tasered him to the floor, um, which um,
1: was scary for the future. <laughs> Not my deal. It was called Cupid, wasn't it? Like Cupid, Chaotic. Uh, I can't remember. I actually went to Chaotic Moon to to talk to the guy, uh, the intern that did that. He did get paid for having eighty thousand volts of energy shocked throughout his system. But uh, yeah, it was a it was provocative and it ta- it, it. But they did it. To, to bring the conversation and get the government involved and education and, and, and the, you know, it, it was all kicked off with the Amazon drone book delivery, didn't it? And then yeah. this is just continuing the conversation. But yeah, that must have been uh, yeah, I, I think that that was intended to provoke and in, in prov- provocation occurring Hopefully not coming to a
0: police force near you. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so my kind of surreal, weird highlight was, uh, I had a theme actually. Um, uh, it was related to food. Um, first off, uh, we had to think of a way to um, create some content that would stand out. So we were looking at the the uh, daily kind of the word of the day. Uh, and Paul and I were actually branding it on a sausage. Uh, we branded Peak Derp. We branded Austin Cleon's Senius about collaborative genius. Uh, and we got lots of people excited about getting a hot dog uh, with a branded uh, word of the day. Uh, that kicked off. Obviously, I, I had a, I was wearing a hot dog suit, and I got in fights with a guy wearing a big cheese pizza suit because uh, I'm lactose intolerant and it just seemed the right thing to do. Uh, and uh, then you, you just stumble upon another food opportunity around 3D and it was like, oh my goodness, I get to 3D print at the Oreo trending vending lounge in association with IBM. I get to 3D print my own Oreo in these ridiculous flavors. So food was a big thing. I never saw a vegetable on a plate for seven days. That was good and then the, the, let me leave you with one picture uh, did I mention the dailyspit.tumblr.co.uk? Oh. .com, yeah. Uh, that's where you can check out the sausages, thanks. But uh, I'm going to leave you with one image that I thought on my Instagram captured the kind of the douchebaggy, geeky nature of think some things that can happen, which was someone looking through their Google Glasses and getting a little bit pissed off because the queue for the Bitcoin ATM was too long. Uh, that, I think, Paul, would only happen in Austin, Texas at South by Southwest. Emily, what was your rare moment?
2: Gosh, um, actually, Lauren Bush Lauren was one of the really inspirational uh, people. And she was saying like, something that I totally agree with, but around how business can be, you uh, and should be used as a way to do good so um her feed brand that is just kind of clothing and accessories uh has a similar model to tom's where if you um if you buy the bag then you feed a number of people but she was talking about how the customers of her feed brand um totally buy into what they're doing uh in terms of the not just the products but what they're what their causes are and uh, and really feel like they're responsible for that and take a really active involvement in it, so I think it's a really interesting thing for brands to think about it's just how how they can do good alongside doing business, and that kind of came through in people like Chelsea Clinton speaking as well and a number of other people at the festival, so that's an interesting uh not too dramatic or controversial but um but a nice so right, I can be a positive as well <laughs> okay
0: good well um I guess uh, you'll have to check back in this time next year to see how many of these uh, future-gazing trends come true. Um, But thank you to both my guests for joining us. um, And um, onwards and upwards.